You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest, fastest growing podcast for my favorite subject, Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Happy Easter Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed your turkey dinners over Zoom. And here we are back into a new week to discuss my favorite subject. As a broker and an investor myself, I want to know what's going on. And so I like to track the news and bring you guys up to speed on our show. Well, today we're going to talk about why is Toronto real estate considered overvalued, specifically from the IMF. How do we know affordability is not a priority in Ontario? And what cracks are we seeing in new home sales today? These are some of the things we're going to talk about. And along the way, I like to have some fun. For example, like some of you guys probably canceled some plans. Pope Francis also canceled Easter this year. All the events due to COVID. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I guess we're just going to pass over Easter this year. <laughs> but the story of Easter is not obsolete, guys. It is still a thing. Just need to summarize it in a way that the youth of today will understand. You just say something like, and then Jesus respond. <laughs> if you guys could, please subscribe, like the show if you got sucked into the clickbait of the subject in this episode and are now staying for some more miraculous Jesus jokes. And if you'd like, make sure you hop on our investor list as we continue to share off-market and uh, apartment deals. We've got lots of good stuff going on. You can find that down in the links below. Here we go. Let's start talking about why is Toronto real estate considered overvalued? An ongoing subject over the last few episodes, this conversation of a bubble and really trying to describe what does that look like. The, the, the conversation is evolving every single week. Well, we're going to start with the Better Dwelling article called Canadian real estate overvalued. Toronto needs a 28% correction for fair value, according to the IMF. Let's hear what it has to say. Canadian real estate prices are one of the biggest threats to the country, said a global agency. The IMF recently completed its regular scheduled staff report on Canada. Staff found real estate prices present one of the biggest threats to the country. When they look at Greater Toronto home prices, they require, they say, a massive correction to become attainable. The observed price is 39.28% above what they consider attainable, and a 28% drop in observed prices is what would be needed to bring things in line with environmentals. This gets even crazier when you realize that all of these stats are from Q2 2020. 2020, the beginning. This is right at the beginning of COVID, and as a, a noteworthy, uh, I guess something that's noteworthy is Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton home prices are considered 42.1% overvalued according to their models, and it would require a 29.6% drop in home prices. There's a small shout out to Toronto and our friends in Hamilton. But I'm afraid if this is what happened in Q2 of 2020, I am afraid to see the charts next year, man. By this time next year, we'll be abstaining from spreadsheets for our 40 days before Easter, right? <laughs> Don't you think that would be excellent? <laughs> Another Better Dwelling article speaks to very much the same reports, also Q2 2020, looking at Canada relative to the G7, and they're actually comparing prices versus rents, called the Canadian price-to-rent ratio. The gap between home prices and rents grew since 2015 
here in Canada by 28%. That's the spread of what it costs versus what it costs to rent. Again, in Q2, and any of my friends who are following the market recognize, things have gotten a whole lot worse in the sense that prices are way higher, rents are way lower. My goodness. My goodness, since the latest data is Q2, the ratio is also likely to have accelerated even further by now. They say it right here. A lot faster considering prices are now soaring, even in small towns. And as I added as well, rent is dropping in the city. And this is the conversation of overvaluation, right? We want to look at it from different angles. So let's see what cbc.ca has to say, calling Canada a housing bubble and saying it has now gone beyond the large markets of places like Toronto and Vancouver, but it is now across the country. Bully offers with no conditions are popping up in small real estate markets too. They asked Paul Martin, president of the Rideau St. Lawrence Real Estate Board that covers Perth, Ontario. He says, quote, the market just took off last year. This shouldn't come as any news. We're aware the market's going crazy even in small towns. But listen to this. We've seen our property prices jump close to 50% in the area. About a third of new buyers are from Toronto, he said, despite the region being about three hours from the city. And about a half are from Ottawa, which is closer, but still up to an hour away. So even smaller cities are starting to drink the poison. Or maybe I should say the water. The water we use in those, you know, the paint when you're painting those Easter eggs. <laughs> Get it? Because <laughs> they'll die a little inside. No. <laughs> uh, let's look at different housing types. Okay, we're going to look at different housing types. And I also, today on the episode, I want to share with you, though the Trev stats aren't out, they'll be out probably tomorrow, I would think. But I want to give you some insight on what happened last month as well. So we'll go there. But let's start off with different housing types, specifically the condos. They're heating up. According to National Post, buyers coming to the condo market expecting to snag a deal this spring are going to be disappointed. They asked John Pasalis, who we're going to hear from later in the show more, people who are thinking they are just going to go in and buy something for 30000 under asking are going to be really surprised. That's not the market today. That was the market in October. It's funny how things can change. Devel Morrison, broker at Bosley Real Estate, says now it's to the point where you can't even get a booking because everybody is showing the same condos. I wonder, and this actually goes beyond for freeholding experiences too, I've had this happen. I'm literally trying to book an appointment for a client even as early as tomorrow. Like, I guess, I don't know. I think it's not unusual to have 24 hours notice and the whole day is booked. And with COVID, you can give what? 30 minute showings, which is typical, but you've got no time. It's getting to a point where it's so busy that even the people who want to see it don't have time to see it. CTV News, Patricia Lovett-Reed had a post here talking about luxury homes. If you need evidence that the rich are getting richer, look no further than Sotheby's luxury real estate report highlights for 2021 so far. So maybe it's not just those small entry-level homes, those condos. Maybe the luxury market's doing hot as well. Well, they are. Luxury real estate is typically a home that is valued by definition in the top 10% of a given market. Well, over the first two months, January, February of 2021, the GTA witnessed residential real estate sales spiking 157% year over year. That is crazy. That is crazy. But what about rentals? So we got the small line, we got the condos, we got the luxury right up to the top. Of course, luxury includes condos too, but you get my point. But what about rentals? Because the rental market's been on its own journey lately. This article from, this is Narcity. Toronto real estate is getting so intense they are now, quote, bidding wars for rentals. Surprise, surprise. Wait a minute. You're saying rentals aren't going to keep dropping forever? That's right. They say people are paying hundreds more per month for one bedrooms. 
Listen to this. Despite rent prices plummeting in the city during the pandemic, new competition for value in Toronto's rental market is driving up prices for certain listings. People recognize prices have come down a lot, a lot. We're going to talk about how long that's been going on, but maybe now's my chance to jump back in. Maybe there's a little bit of stability. And if there were, perhaps even if I overpay at the lowest rate, I'd still be better off than where things are going to be in the next coming months. Well, they say tenants are taking advantage of the lower prices and are even submitting offers over the asking price. They're saying they're seeing multiple offers on rentals is becoming more common thanks to increased demand and a decline in inventory. And we're still waiting for the border to reopen. Just you wait. But it's crazy how everything can change in just one season. It's no wonder Arnold Schwarzenegger loves this time of year so much. <laughs> Have to love Easter, baby. <laughs> So let's look at, I got a really good comment from uh, Pelham Lane on YouTube. Thank you for the post. But this is a little bit of a partial explanation. I thought, you know what, this is a good, good point to kind of add in here because we haven't really discussed it. It doesn't come up in a lot of stats that are calculated, but here's what he says. Watson Estates, majority of single family have basement apartments or, or more and more people are planning to register basement apartments. This, could in, this should increase rental supply and ease some pressure both for owners or renters. These stats are not published, but very visible. I mean, in the sense that you can kind of see them going on. You can find registered basements in their growth in the GTA and municipality websites. Most ana analysts sitting in New York or elsewhere don't take this info into account when comparing incomes to value of homes. What an interesting point. Right? Because we're becoming a place where people are recognizing the value of investing. A lot of people who follow our show are investors. They get it. So if I'm able to generate an income from that property, naturally that would increase the value of the homes in the area. Not to explain all price increases across the board, but definitely something that's kind of noteworthy to say well, the types of homes we have today are now adding more value or value in a different way. But you want to go hardcore on a counter argument that it's not a bubble. Look no further than our friends over at Remax. They had an article called Toronto Real Estate Speculators Causing a GTA Market Bubble. I, that's a question. <laughs> that was there. You lead the article with a question. But listen to this because they looked into it. Remax looked at just over 5,000 individual freehold transactions in the GTA between March 15th, 2019 and March 14th, 2021, and found less than 2% of all sales were repeated in that time period. So over the last two years, leading up to the mid last month, March, there have been less than 2% of them have bought and sold within two years. Of the 1.58% transactions during that time, only approximately 20% of them indicated that renovations were made between the sales. So maybe they just so happened to move. There was no intent to speculate or add renovations, or as we like to call it in our industry, flip. <laughs> but Remax brokers in the GTA were clear that there is no speculation in the market at this point. They tell you they took their research a step further and they surveyed Remax brokers and agents in Western Canada, Ontario, and Atlantic Canada, and they said a landslide 96% confirmed that the majority of home buyers are end users, while only 4% were classified as speculators. Now that's obviously just a poll, and generally I find it's mostly end users too, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot of speculation. I'm going to be honest with you, but it's a very interesting angle because there's a lot of hype right now. It's all just investors pouring in all their money from the middle of nowhere. We need to stop the speculation. It's what's leading to price appreciation. Maybe not. 
Maybe we'll talk about what could be doing that. But one of the things that Remax says that is quite interesting is this idea of the market being self-regulating. Could that be possible? Because if so, this could very well be the best case scenario. It's one I'm hoping for. After some concerns of overheating earlier in the year, there have been shifts in the market activity in recent weeks. Wait a minute. Where have you heard that before? Definitely here because we've been talking about it the last few weeks. With more detached inventory coming on stream in areas north of the 416, the increase in new listings appears to be meeting demand with fewer bidding wars taking place. What? No. The 416 also reported growing inventory levels. We're going to talk about some of those numbers, but I really, really, really do hope that this is what's happening. This, in my mind, is the best case scenario. Okay, so let's start talking about affordability. We're going to start talking about what the market's doing as well. But I want to speak specifically to just pointing out the fact that Ontario don't care if this place is affordable. And they're kind of letting themselves, they're letting things show, right? You can tell a lot about someone or something about their priorities. Look at me, for example. I floss religiously every Easter and Christmas. (laughs) Oh, God, (laughs) jeez. Smile for the camera. The star.com has an article, and I think this is super valid because Ontario will stand on its heels and say, no, we recognize the need for affordable housing. We've also seen an impression where things have moved from the municipal level, which they're generally being handled, which probably shouldn't be the case, to the provincial, who then pushes it then to the federals. And now we've seen plans from the federal government. But when we look specifically at the province, how much do they actually care about affordability? They say this, do you know what makes up less than 0.3% of your budget? I'll take a guess. Probably not. Even if you know, chances are you're not paying much attention to these small fractions of your budget. They have not seen professional couponers, I'll tell you that. But from 2014 to 15, that year to 2018-19, at a time when housing unaffordability soared, you guys will remember, the government spent less than 0.3% of its total expenditure on housing programs meant to support Ontario's most vulnerable people. This comes from Maytree Foundation's analysis of the Financial Accountability Office, the FAO. And on average, the FAO estimates that during those times, Ontario spent $856 million per year on housing programs. That's less than 0.7% of Ontario's total budget expenditures during the years. And if you examine the report further through other public data shows, less than 0.3% of the province's own spending went towards housing programs. What a good point. We really truly do care about affordability and making Ontario affordable for all Ontarians. But we're spending less than a dollar a day. (laughs) Okay, those aren't real numbers, but you get my point, right? You don't even need to switch out a coffee for that one. So what's the consequence? In 2016, about 30% of renter households found themselves in core housing need, mostly because of unaffordability of rent. Well, from 2011 to 2018, the social housing waitlist grew by 27%. Today, over 185,000 households find themselves on the waitlist. You don't need to look very far to recognize the issues that we have with affordability in our province. The FAO estimates the spending programs between 2019 and 2020 to 2027 to 2028, so for the next eight years, on average, that's a $160 million annual shortfall compared to the spending before 2020. So we're actually going to be spending less moving forward. This is crazy, guys. This is crazy. So though the Ontario government is using the right rhetoric to signal that it understands how critical housing is to our dignity, it's clear they say 
that it has no intention to address our housing crisis. Is that the responsibility of the province? Maybe the province doesn't think so, but just don't tell me you do. <laughs> and the whole point of this, guys, as people who love to invest and love to protect ourselves and future generations through real estate investing, the government is not here to save you. It's really not. There's only one dude that can save you at this point. Just go to Rio de Janeiro. I heard he's really big over there. <laughs> All right, cbc.ca. Is home ownership, back along these lines of affordability, is home ownership in Canada becoming something only the rich can afford? Are you guys okay with this trend? It's something that only the rich people can get. We don't all need to own something. Can't we just be okay with renting? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I've accepted the recognition that I have real estate investments. I want those to go up and we don't all need to own real estate. And that is kind of what's happening here. And we need to recognize that that's a trend. Canada's consistent high house prices have some people worried that finding their dream home could become a pipe dream for ordinary Canadians. Quote, things like owning a home or even having a family are going to be regarded as things that only rich people can do. And regular working people can't do those things. Economist Armin Yalnizyan thinks that Canada is, quote, poised for some kind of a pivot in how we value home ownership. I think that's already happening. It's really interesting to see. I remember back in 2017, everybody just wanted to own low rise. I want my own house. I want a house. And everyone was saying, just get a condo. It's just as good. Just get a condo. All of a sudden, condos were good. Condos were just like freehold, no big deal. And we've started to see a bounce kind of back towards the freehold. But there's a definite... People are open to owning a condo. I mean, they're okay with that lifestyle where not that long ago, it seemed kind of like, why would you ever do that? Maybe that's going to be the case for renting. Maybe we'll just be like, okay, there's been a lot of criticism on renting, but there's nothing wrong with renting. It's a place for your kids, right? It's a place for you to live. We've been, quote, living under the ethos of home ownership as the best thing. The ownership social concept was brought in about 40 years ago, but adulting doesn't require home ownership to be successful. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Maybe home ownership isn't for everyone. Like Easter isn't for everyone. My brother doesn't celebrate it. <laughs> He's agnostic. <laughs> but I don't think, going back to the speculation, I don't think speculation is necessarily the challenge. I think the big problem here, if I were to be honest with you, is obviously a supply and demand challenge, but bidding wars. Like, what the hell is a bidding war, dude? I think we got to get this thing under wraps a little bit. Canadian home buyers are bidding way above ask for no real reason. Here's an issue with a bidding war. How much did everyone below the winning offer bid? Did they win by a dollar or a mile? That's something that's rarely revealed in Ontario. And it turns out some people are unwittingly paying a lot more than they need to. If you perceive the market to be hotter than it is, you can be stuck paying a lot more than needed. This is also where it becomes more important than ever that we recognize the trends that are happening. And it's, I think, to me, why I've been so passionate about keeping in the loop with everything that's going on. Because what happens if things cool out a little bit? If things cooled a little bit and you didn't know... Well, I was expecting 20 offers, but there's two. But you know what? We were thinking we were going to go 200 over asking. Why not? Well, maybe that's not as necessary in that market. Interesting. And that's kind of what we've been seeing going on. They had one example of a guy who received two bids. One was at the asking price and the other was 175000 That's 10% above the asking price. Who do you think won? <laughs> no love note from a buyer is going to change the cards on that one, okay? <laughs> But they say everyone assumes every property in Southern Ontario can list low and attract a ton of bids. Not exactly the case we're starting to see from Hamilton's real estate broker, Donna Baker. 
some things we need to be paying attention to, guys. Maybe bidding wars are of the past, but what do you think has been driving the price up all the way? Definitely these things. Definitely these things. And we're starting to see a lot more use of the escalation clause, which the Real Estate Council of Ontario does not say you can't use. They're kind of vague on it, but if you actually look on their website, they say, you know, you're okay with it, which allows you to put an upper limit. So in that way, it's pretty good, but there's absolutely more creative ways for you to win multiple offers and bidding wars that I'm not going to announce on the show. Trade secrets. <laughs> if Ontario was concerned about house prices shooting to the moon, they would step in. So what then is Ontario concerned with these days? Public health. Public health. Ontario decided it's time to enter another lockdown. Wave number three is upon us. So what does that mean for real estate? Well, here's what they say. The most substantial real estate restrictions will be placed on rental accommodations. Hotels, motels, lodges, cabins, resorts, student housing, and other shared rental accommodations will not be permitted to open their shared amenities such as pools, gyms, or other rec facilities. We also see short-term rentals like cottages, cabins, and campsites will only be rented to individuals in need of housing. So I'll shut down on that. And for any Ontario residents looking to buy real estate, you can do it, just not through an open house, which we haven't really had much of a change anyways. And new buildings will continue to be built or considered essential. So whether the market is going to go up or go down, hell if I know. Man, I'd love for you guys to leave it down in the comments below. Let me know what you think. You can make an argument on either case. We've seen both ways between the first and the second lockdown. But let's see what March stats will tell us. Okay, let's get into what we've got so far in front of us. And what's funny about this is if you'll remember the first lockdown, lockdown number one, the thing that triggered it all in 2020 was in the middle of March, March 17th. So you're going to naturally think that there's going to be maybe some skewing in the stats at the end of March 2020 and 2021, which we just came through. Well, that is absolutely the case. We're already starting to see this skew happening like crazy. Scott Ingram posted, looking at the year-over-year -year sales between, he had the months of March 18th to the 31st from last year, 2020, and this year. Listen to some of these numbers. The number of sales. Freehold. Freehold. 348 in 2020. 2021, over 1,000. <laughs> we look at condos, 556. 2021, over 1,400 within those two-week span. That is a change of 189% and 154% respectively. That's a crazy jumps. And that's just the start of it. Wait until next month. What? I mean, I don't even know why we're waiting for March stats. We already know what's about to happen here, right? But what I think is more interesting, what'll be interesting to see in the coming days, keep an eye out, is are we actually looking month over month because we're really starting to get a clear picture that we've seen on the weekly stats now coming through in the monthly stats. Scott Ingram again said on the positive side of things relative to keeping a balanced market, freeholds were 31% more active listings today than the end of last month. 31% increase in active listings month over month. Condos, 10% more active listings today than the end of last month. So maybe we are starting to see some rise in active listings. Now, active listings, you'll recognize, is a combination of new listings coming in and or reduction in sales, right? Because he's got these things that are actually sitting there. It's not like we've got an increase in new listings. We're actually starting to see an increase in the amount of listings available. Interesting. And rents, to kind of wrap that into a full circle with a little bow, let's look at the rent rates for March. This is according to Zland. quote, the average rent for all property types in the GTA has declined 15 consecutive months. And you wonder why people are trying to lock in at that low rate. That's why. GTA rental market balance made a giant leap towards tightening in March, though. Whoa. 
There's a tightening happening in the rental market? Nah. There were some signals in the weekly data, but the full extent was unknown until now. No more ex excess vacancies. While inventory is still high, it's not a bad idea to renegotiate your rent and lock your rate. All that to say, we're starting to see some legs underneath that rental market, which has been happening over the last few months, definitely the last few weeks. And now maybe we found ourselves in a situation where you can expect things to go up again. Which brings us to this question to wrap all of this up is calculating cash flow because people are buying condos for the purpose of cash flow. And I'm often asked, what do you think of condos as an investment? I'm a cash flow guy. And for that reason, I would say no to condos. Because listen to this, John Pasalis had a question. What do the numbers look like for investment condo today? Of the units bought and subsequently rented on the MLS this year, they were on average losing $755 in the city of Toronto and $644 in the GTA. Wow. 98% of Toronto units were cash flow negative. <laughs> Woo. Cash flow investors got the hell though out of Toronto not that long ago. I mean, we, we or a long time ago, actually. I remember this years ago now. People were leaving the city for the sake of cash flow. And obviously, things have gotten a whole lot worse. People are out here acting like it's a brand new trend. You know what's more imp impressive? I saw Batman leaving church early on Easter. Whew. It's the first time I've ever seen Christian Bale. <laughs> a Christian Bale. <laughs> All right, let's get into some hot topics. Subscribe. Hit that like button if you like Marvel more than DC. And let's get into some hot topics. Canadians over leveraged. What? There's actually some pretty big news. I think it should be bigger news between these next two articles. Listen to this. Canada's banking regulator is seeing a spike in highly indebted mortgage borrowers. OSFI observed renewed growth in the exposure of mortgages that are over leveraged. This is in Q4 2020. The regulator has said they're watching the situation and plan on acting as needed. Considering even banks are now asking for market cooling measures, that may be soon. And here is the Bank of Canada's response to that fact. Bank of Canada Governor Tiff McClem said he's seeing, quote, worrying signs in Canada's hot housing market in which households are taking on increasing levels of debt for chasing rising prices. They're all trying to get behind this optimism. Quote, if you look, this is from Tiff. This is the governor, Bank of Canada. If you look at the household indebtedness, you are seeing, on average, the loan-to-value ratios are getting higher, particularly in the uninsured space. That suggests that Canadians are stretching, and that is worrying. That is worrying. Well, need I remember, but need we remind you about the stress test that happened a few years ago? Seems awful familiar. Let's wait and see if anything turns out of that. But a lot of this, as I mentioned, is coming from high confidence level, consumer confidence. And this article from Better Dwelling called Canadian Confidence in Home Prices Rising hits a record high. According to Mortgage Pros Canada, the survey found it was taken in the end of 2020 shows record sentiment for home buying and price growth over the next year. People are just thinking prices are going to go up over the next year. People, everyone thinks that. Do you not think that? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Canadians have never been more confident in future home price growth. Results show an average rating of 6.94 points out of 10 when asked about the likelihood of home prices growing in the next year. Running the correlation, they say though, see, see it's funny because it's like the correlation between everyone thinks everything's going good, prices are going to rise versus do they actually rise? You realize there's actually no, there's no connection. There's no evidence of that. Just because you think prices go up doesn't mean they're going to go up. And when we look at the history, we see the trends of what people thought versus what happened. We actually recognize in some cases, it's actually the inverse. It's actually the opposite. 
But let's be honest. Everyone is just excited because they've seen growth over the last six, nine months, right? <laughs> oh, taking forever. <laughs> you know how to make a blonde laugh at Easter? <laughs> Tell her a joke at Christmas. <laughs> All right. Primary residence exemption. Are they going to cancel that from you? Well, that's a no-go. <laughs> a bit of an update. The Canadian government will not be taxing home equity, at least not under this current administration. According to Minister Ahmed Hussein, who oversees the country's housing portfolio said they will not entertain a tax on home equity today. Apparently they got yelled enough from the Toronto Real Estate Board despite all the pleas from people to cause some, you know, we need to tax things. Maybe we'll do the primary residence exemption. Nuh-uh, nuh-uh. Treb just, they, Treb flexed so hard, so hard. It's like chokehold. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little fitness. <laughs> you know what kind of exercise Jesus did to get such good abs? CrossFit. <laughs> waterfront developments. Waterfront. What about the waterfront? Y'all remember about that? How that was supposed to be a thing? I think COVID happened and we all kind of forgot about that. Well, Waterfront Toronto is back in the market for a partner to develop the 12-acre parcel of land at the foot of Parliament Street with Google's affiliate Sidewalk Labs, which turned out to be an absolute disaster. Instead, this time around, we're not looking to, you know, get just track everything you do and be overly, over, over, I don't know what the word is, spy on you. I'm not trying to spy on you anymore. Instead, it's all about iconic architecture. That's what we're doing. The winning team, they say, will have a world-renowned lead architect who will develop the overall vision for the Keyside site and design the first block. I mean, let's face it. A lot of the Toronto kind of looks boring. So this could be a good thing. Could be good. Could look sweet. Maybe that's the way to go. Okay, let's get into our last topic here. Talking about new home sales. Maybe we're starting to see some cracks unfolding in the new home sales world. I'm going to share with you a few things here today. Greater Toronto new home sales fall 34% as pent-up demand raises. Now, this is looking, releases, this is looking in February. This is according to Build GTA. So some of the numbers, when we look at prices for Toronto new homes, they're up 25%. 25% increase for new build home prices. Well, you'd think if it's like everything else, sales must be up, right? Like we've got sales going up in February, it kind of lines up. Well, no, not actually true. Sales in the Greater Toronto New Homes have, have fallen 34% year over year. Single family homes represented, they say 1,617 of the units sold, which was down as well. Single family homes is down even. 28.7%. Condo apartments is down 37.9%. Obviously more hard hit. But why would who would have expected that you would have single-family homes coming down? Because weren't they just piping hot? Weren't they doing so good? People were lining up like crazy for these things. Well, apparently there's been a little bit of a slowdown in that. Don't you do you think though it's any coincidence that we have new home sales dropping just at the same pace that we're starting to have people talking about overheating or price increases of 25%? I think people are smarter to it. You want to know another strange coincidence? Jesus was born on Christmas Day and died on Good Friday. What are the odds of that? <laughs> but a lot of the a lot of the impact that's happening to builders comes also on the expense side. The costs to build are going up like crazy, especially when we look at the cost of lumber. The cost of basic lumber, like two by fours, have doubled since 2018. That adds tens of thousands of dollars depending on the size of the home. For a 2,500 square foot house, that's an additional cost cost of thirty thousand dollars in lumber. Wow. So you're getting kind of squeezed at both ends when it comes to new builds. 
And so I guess I want to leave off with this question. Could we have the pre-construction industry, the new build industry, looking like it does in a place like Manhattan? Listen to this New York Times article. A home buyer's bonanza in Manhattan. To drag their projects across the finish line, some developers have been slashing prices by as much as half. Woo! Which could be the equivalent of millions of dollars less per apartment than originally intended. That is in addition to now typical concessions like free common charges, free parking, or cash credit to pay for an interior designer. All of these things. Please, please, please buy from us. Even as buyers have reemerged, the new development market continues to struggle in large part because sales had slowed before the pandemic hit. So even as new buildings are launching sales, they must compete with recently built towers that have yet to sell out, which is forcing the older units to discount to keep pace with new arrivals. Could that be a combination? Also add the fact you have new things coming online, a lot of them in 2021. Is this something that you think could impact Toronto? Could we get to that point or is the rise now of condo competition enough to stop it? I'll leave that up to you. You can leave it down in the comments below. Please subscribe. Hit like if you expect Toronto prices to outpace New York soon. <laughs> and that's it for me today. Man, I hope you guys had a wonderful Easter weekend and I'd like to wrap up with some fun. So I've been, I've been trying to think of a hilarious Good Friday joke or Easter Monday joke, right? I really, like, I really want to nail it. <laughs> I really shouldn't be telling jokes about Jesus on Easter weekend. Man, he's not the kind of guy that you want to be cross with or he's not the kind of guy you want to cross. <laughs> Anyways, I had some fun today. I hope you guys did as well. Please support the channel as much as you can. Leave a comment down below. I'd love to hear from you guys and I'll see you next time. Take care and keep it real.